G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. That's very problematic for us in the 21st century. We're in our modern society. We can read the Bible where the authors assumed that the people they were actually writing to in their day knew what they were talking about. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. We're learning about why studying biblical culture is so important. We've looked at understanding the people the Bible was communicating about and to, and why we need to understand what the Bible actually says. That includes having access to a really trustworthy translation that doesn't get caught up in the ever-changing social trends of our current day. In this program, we're going to be looking at how the writers in the Bible wrote with their own assumptions in mind. And I think a lot of us don't realise that when those uh, biblical writers actually wrote things down, they actually did write with assumptions. Sometimes Mm. they would say things but didn't give any explanation for them. You think, well, I I, I don't know what they're talking about. But the people they were talking to did Mm. because they understood their own culture. I mean, for example, let's just say, I mean, do you you know anything about ice hockey? No, I know it's violent. (laughs) That's about all. (laughs) And fast. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, let's just say you and I, we might have a slight interest in ice hockey and there's Mm -hmm. going to be a conference or an event held to talk about ice hockey. So let's say you and I are going to go and listen. Now, the people who are going to actually stand up the front and talk about ice hockey probably have an assumption that the people who are sitting in front of them know about ice hockey and Mm. that's why they're there. Yep. They're not going to think people who've never had any interest in ice hockey are sitting in the audience, Mm -hmm. right? So I guess they can use you know, phrases and terms within the game that average Joe isn't going to understand, but that doesn't yeah. really matter. Like, you know what the puck is? Yes, I know about a puck. You know what a hockey stick is? Mm-hmm. And you know that the goal, haha, no pun intended, is to get the puck into a goal, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Okay, but what if I said to you, odd man rush or <laughs> puck shy? And can I just say, you've got to say these words really carefully because <laughs> yeah, that's right. don't, please don't misunderstand. <laughs> I'm not saying anything bad. What about a Zamboni? Uh, oh, no, uh, I've heard of the Zamboni, but I, don't, I, I can't remember exactly. Okay, what about high sticking? No. <laughs> what about head manning the puck? <laughs> <laughs> well, ice hockey must be the most unusual terms in, the, in any sport by the sound of it. Apparently so. Obviously, we don't know what they are, but if... As you said, if you were at a, a meeting where people were all enthusiasts and they knew exactly what a Zamboni was and what you know, head manning I, the I puck was. I can actually tell you what a Zamboni is. Mm-hmm. A Zamboni is the machine that actually they drive across the surface of the ice to actually oh, make it flat, get rid of any right. grooves and yes. nicks in it. So it smooths yes, out the I ice. I do remember that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A- anything else? <laughs> all those terms I just said, I got no idea yeah, what they mean. That's right. I just looked them up to put down some examples of... Mm-hmm. What can happen if you are speaking about something and you make an assumption that the people you're speaking to understand what you're talking about when they don't? Mm. That's very problematic for us in the 21st century here in Australia in our modern society. We can read the Bible where the authors assumed 
that the people they were actually writing to in their day knew what they were talking about because they were familiar with their culture. We don't have that insight that they had mm. two, three, yeah, right. four thousand years ago. Yeah. I mean, the authors of the Bible were members of their own uh, communities. There are a few exceptions like Jonah and Daniel and Joseph. Mm-hmm. They were basically taken into foreign cultures and yeah. I, I would have guess that it was a bit of a culture shock for them yeah. to learn to adapt to their new yeah. culture. Well, they would have had to go through the same process of learning what exactly. these different things were. But the rest of the writers of the Bible were writing to their own people, understanding mm-hmm. their own culture and environment and and cultural trends and what was happening politically and socially and mm. morally, spiritually, all at that time. And then in the New Covenant, there's a tiny little one-chapter book called Jude, And in that, Jude starts to write and he says, look, I wanted to write to you just to encourage you in our common faith, but I was compelled to actually write to you about the coming apostasy that was taking place. Yeah, we picked this up in uh, verse 3 of Jude where he says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's the setting. Mm -hmm. And then what he does is the reason he was compelled was because there is a coming apostasy and he uses two examples. Yeah. Okay, but he's making an assumption that that the people he's talking to automatically know what he's talking about. That's right. And they're both quite obscure, aren't they? So we see in verse 9, he says, Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, didn't dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. And then in verse 14, it goes on and says, it was also about these men that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. They were very ungodly. They were, yeah, (laughs) ungodly is the key word in that that verse, isn't it? But here's what's really the conundrum for us, because in both those examples, Jude is making an assumption that his audience knows exactly what he's referring to. But did you know that there is nowhere in the Old Covenant Scriptures that describes an altercation including Michael the archangel and Satan over the body of Moses. Mm. We know that Moses went up Mount Nebo, that the Lord allowed him to look into the promised land, but that he died there and God buried Moses. Nobody knows where Moses' Mm. burial site was. There's no indication or record of Satan fighting Michael the archangel over Moses' body. Mm. Jude's just making an assumption. That's right that the Jewish audience that he's writing to knows what he's talking about. Mm. And then the next assumption is about Enoch. Okay, Apparently Enoch prophesied about the wickedness of mankind that ended with the destructive judgment of a global flood. But again, there's no record of that prophecy of Enoch in the Old Covenant. The assumption is that the Jewish audience he's talking to understands 
what he's referring to. And we know that there was a book of Enoch. Well, that's right. And I guess you've got uh, a number of books, in fact. I mean, Enoch's one of them. But uh, oftentimes you'll read in Scripture, and this particularly happens in some of the historical books in the Old Testament where it'll refer to, you know, like it might mention the book of the wars of the Lord, talks about that in Numbers, or the book of Jasher, the book of the Acts of Solomon, it talks about in 1 Kings 11, the annals of King David. So all these different books that are referred to that uh, obviously were common in that time, Uh, They weren't obviously inspired writing. They didn't sort of make it into the canon of Scripture, but they were providing some of the context that the hearers of these passages would have understood what they were talking about. Exactly. And that's not just in the Old Covenant either. If you read the New Covenant, Paul quoted Cleanthus and Aratus in Acts. He quoted Meander in 1 Corinthians 15. He made reference to Janus and Jambres, who were Mm -hmm. the magicians in Egypt. Paul quoted Jesus himself saying, it's more blessed to give than receive. Did you know that there is nowhere in the Gospels? Mm. Anywhere no, where Jesus aware said. Of that. Yeah. Yeah, he, Jesus never said it's more blessed to give than receive. But remember, Paul was trained and equipped and taught by Jesus. That's right. And he was in training for years. That's something Jesus said to him. Mm. Yeah, that's fascinating. It is fascinating, isn't it? But you've got to have some background. You've got to have some other information. Now, again, and you said it, that these other books that are made reference to, they're not inspired by God and they're not included in the canon. So we don't say these books are absolutely without error and they're Mm. perfect. What we are saying is that some of these books provide us with cultural context to fill in the gaps of what was actually happening, what people believed, how people thought, how they lived and interacted, mm. so that the assumptions the authors are making in Scripture, we get some understanding, so that we don't force our own interpretation with yeah. the 21st century understanding where we can really mess it up. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, sometimes that just means that you've got to dig a little bit. You've got to go searching. So when you, you read some of these questions or you look at these assumptions, go, oh, I've never heard of that before. I don't, haven't read that in Scripture. Go looking. Yeah. And, and the other thing, too, is some of the books that are mentioned in the Scriptures, they were destroyed during different conquests, you know, when different um, armies invaded and they would destroy the temple and destroyed, they destroyed a lot of temple mm. artifacts and a lot of the records. So that's why we don't have them anymore. But understand... Those assumptions can be dealt with with a little digging so that we can then interpret Scripture properly. Well, that's a quick look at assumptions in the light of biblical culture and understanding why it's so important. Next time, we're going to continue in this series and looking at differences matter. That's next time on Foundations. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.